We look forward to seeing you at Two Days of Truth being presented by Beyond Labels. It's our fourth annual Two Days of Truth Summit. This year's theme is Detox is for Everybody. We're bombarded by everything from chemtrails to EMFs to pesticides, herbicides, even uh, toxic people. We're going to deal with all of these aspects at the Two Days of Truth Summit coming up. Sina, give us the final information. I'm really excited about this summit. I think this is going to be our best one yet. It's June 14th and 15th at Polyface Farm. We have some fantastic speakers like Sayer G, the founder of Green Med Info, uh, Dr. Leland Stillman, who's been featured by Wise Traditions lately, Hilda Labrada-Gore, affectionately known as Holistic Hilda, you and me, of course, we also have, for the first time ever, a kids and teens program. So now the adults can enjoy the adult side while they know that their kids and their teens are having fun while also being educated by Joel, myself, and Hilda. It's going to be a blast. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to actually teach you ancient and modern techniques for how to detoxify the body, mind, and spirit. And we're going to help you put together a personalized plan like an action plan that you can take home and start. As soon as you arrive home, you can implement this action plan and start your detoxing. You know, listen, folks, Polyface is only eight hours from half of the U.S. population. Take a long weekend, come join us, and uh, you'll rub shoulders with other like-minded people, find our tribe, and be encouraged. It's a lonely place out there lots of times, especially if you're a bit of a maverick. So come and spend time with other mavericks and get encouraged, inspired, and enthused about living a more healthy life. So I love the topic for this year, detoxification. It is one of the most important topics that we could ever address at our health summit. Because as Joel mentioned, everyone, every single person needs to know how to detoxify their body, mind, and spirit in order to achieve optimal health and wellness. What I'm trying to help everybody to understand here is this is not just a one-sided thing. This is not just government beating down farmers. Now, now farmers are, they're trying to get us all to believe that. But, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a friend of manure in the canals. I'm not a friend of, you know, uh, manure pollution and, and housing animals all the time. I'm not a friend of that. And so, I get some of this. Now, as with all backlashes, though, the pendulum never swings and stops in the middle. It always overcorrects. And that's exactly what's happening in the EU. The EU has has overcorrected. It's hard for us in the U.S., you know, I, I, I rail against our regulatory climate, but it's important to realize that we have way fewer regulations than a lot of other places in the world. For example, in Spain... In Spain, you cannot allow a chicken to touch wood. So everything involved with chickens has to be steel, has to be metal. Well, that means, you know, if you want to build an egg mobile or you want to be on a, a portable chicken shelter or whatever, it all has to be metal, even though wood is way easier and cheaper and actually, you know, more ecologically friendly, has a smaller ecological footprint. They do that because they say that metal doesn't uh, provide a housing house for mites um, in New Zealand. Now, I know New Zealand is not EU, but I'm just giving you another example. So in New Zealand, I've been there numerous times, in New Zealand, 
you cannot house a chicken in a structure that is not mouse proof. So how do you have an egg mobile with chickens? It's not mouse proof. How do you have chickens on pasture? You can't, it's not mouse proof. And so New Zealand deals with this, with this issue. These are the kinds of things that other country deal with, uh, you know, and, and why, um, and why things are developing in these other countries, you know, like they are. And so um, I'll, 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 I'll just kind of wrap it up here. Um, the, the regulatory climate, for example, in um, I think it's in Austria. I was there. I was there in Austria. The EU uh, requires every single egg to be candled and and stamped um, with with a little ink stamp. You know that sounds oh it's not too bad, but a small farmer you that's a lot of handwork to actually put an ink stamp on every single egg, okay? And so what does that do? That makes it more and more difficult for small farmers to compete in the marketplace. And in fact, in Austria, um, a farmer, a farm less than, I think it's about two and a half acres, doesn't get any of these subsidies from the EU. So a two and a half acre farm, if you're in if you're in produce or something really intensive, like intensive blackberries or strawberries or things like that, a two and a half acre farm can be a very viable operation. But they've deemed that a that a farm at two and a half acres doesn't even qualify as a farm. And so it doesn't get in any of this stuff. So these are the kinds of things that have made in in the last um since 2005. So that's what, 19, 19 years, 18, 19 years now, the EU has lost one third of its farms since 2005. Think about that. Since 2005, the EU has lost one third of its farms and realize that they're under the same problem we have in the US, that the farmer is getting old and old farmers don't like change. I mean, the older you get, the older you get, the less you like change, right? And so, and so you've got all these old codgers that have, have now grown up, some of them second generation, in this highly, highly subsidized, you know, preferential thing. And suddenly, between, between you know, uh, um, the, the, the green, you know, the green agenda, the rising, the and the, the EU is trying to, funnel money to Ukraine to fight Russia. And you've got, you know, Germany spending three times as much as they used to spend for Russian Russian uh, natural gas. They're spending way more. Listen, in the Netherlands, hey, I went to a, this just occurred to me, Sina. Uh, I, in the, one of the things I went to, one of, one of the times I was in the Netherlands, they took me to one of these 25, 25 acre um, greenhouses. This is a 25 acre farm. The whole thing is a greenhouse. And you basically, you, you know, you shower in, you shower out. It's a complete, you know, sterile environment. And, um, and they were, and these big greenhouses, you can actually see them from space. Um, you can see them from the moon, these great big 25 acre lit up, lit up greenhouses. And they, they do hydroponic tomatoes in these things and primarily sell them to China. Okay. But it's a way for the Netherlands to export water. 
um, because hydroponic tomatoes have 30% more water than soil grown tomatoes. So they've got way too much water. And so they can send their water to the Chinese and it's a way for the Netherlands to, you know, to get rid of some of their water. Well, to make the tomato plants grow better, they want more carbon dioxide. Th th this is funny. Carbon dioxide. So what do they do? So they've got they've got cogeneration plants. These are electrical cogeneration plants. Uh, massive. When I went into the engine room, I mean they had they had three massive like you know 500 horsepower uh, diesel engines running on um, running on natural gas, not diesel, natural gas. And the exhaust and and was it was it to generate electricity in order to make no, the gener the electricity was just a byproduct. I mean yeah they used it. But the, the reason that the farms have these massive cogeneration plants is to take the exhaust and send it in tubes that come up at the tomato plants. So the tomato plants, the tomato plants will get this. It, it, it's like it's like a human. You know, we put little oxygen things under our noses. You know, if you're you know you have a problem, okay. Um, well, it's like a little CO two thing under the nose of a tomato plant. So the tomato plant grows way faster. And but the problem is now in the Netherlands, they've pumped so much of this natural gas out of their out of their natural uh whatever uh, cavities in the earth that they're having little earthquakes because houses are crumbling and collapsing because they've taken all the all, all the natural gas out. And so here's this here's this entire system built on a a resource at a point in time. Now suddenly there's no natural gas. They were getting it from Russia. Now they can't get it from Russia. So the whole thing starts to starts to break down and, and collapse. And, and so these farmers are pressured. They're stressed, you know. And and um, and and the EU is trying to fund you know ammunition to the Ukraine. So well, where where can we cut? You know, if you were if you were a, an EU parliamentary minister and you're saying, where can we cut some costs? Where can we cut some costs? Farmers are the smallest voting block. They're only 1.6% of the entire EU, you know, uh, gross domestic product, but they account for almost 50% of the EU budget. What would you cut? See? And, and, and so here we are. And so the, the tragedy, I'll cut to the, uh, I'll finish this up. The tragedy of the whole thing for me is all these wonderful, big hearted, I mean, my heart just, I, I, I get into tears. I, I understand the heartbreak of these farmers, but the biggest heartbreak is they refuse. They refused to think about pasturing animals instead of putting in, in buildings. They refused to think about composting instead of Putin's chemical fertilizer. They, they refused to think about multi-speciation uh, rather than, than, um, uh, you know, monospeciation with, you know, monocultures with their crops. They refuse all of this, all of this um, ecological, whatever, ecological information, you know, that we have. And instead they take dump truck loads of tires and they're burning them in the streets of, of, of Paris and, and, you know, and, and, and they're carting their manure into, you know, the parliament and dropping the manure on the parking lot. And, um, and, you know, I, I won't even let somebody buy any of my manure. That's how precious it is. Uh, I, I'm talking about my cow manure, not, you know, my, 
but you know, I, I, I won't even let somebody buy this stuff. That's how precious it is. And, um, and these farmers are just dumping it on parliament steps to, you know, express their outrage of what's going on. And so my heart for me, for me, the emotional part is I, I'm, I feel sorry for these older farmers that have devoted their life to doing what they were told. And now the people who have been telling them who they've been following all their lives are starting to pull the plug on them. And these guys don't have the, whatever, the life force left in them to, to say, yeah, we can, uh, we can do better. We don't, we don't need these guys at Brussels. We don't need these subsidies. We can do better and, and we can make it work. And, and that for me, that's the, tra it's, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy of innovation. It's a tragedy of accepting um, a, a, a better way. And, um, and I'm looking forward to, I'll be, I'll be in Vienna in May. I'll be in uh, Hungary in May. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, interacting, learning from them and, and, um, and, and explaining to them that there is that, that I think that there's a way out, there's a better way. Uh, and they can, they can tell Brussels to go take a hike. If they, if they want to really be an innovative, they can actually do that. And, but, but I can tell you the EU, the EU uh, regulations and requirements, as much as we seen a, you and I, as much as we rail on us food police, the EU um, is, is twice as bad as it is here in, in the States. And so, so I will be telling them and, and, and examining with them some, um, some avenues of circumventing some of these regulations. Uh, I remember very well, I was in, it was in, um, I think it was in Spain. It was in Spain. It was either there or Germany. And, um, and this farmer was, um, was talking about they had to wash the eggs. And I, I'm trying to remember now all the particulars of this, but it, it was something about they, they couldn't let they couldn't let the eggs get wet um and and yet they had to wash them all but but there was there was some little technicality and and I I was able to you know help him see a loophole he said well wow, I never thought of that but the, the fact is these farmers aren't thinking they're not thinking uh um libertarian like 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 we do uh, americans cena you can say what you want about this country but we have we have individualistic liberty in our dna we do and when the government starts to push hard man we just push right back and but but in the eu um they're way more docile they're way more compliant than we are here and so i'll be i'll be trying to generate some rebels uh when i go over and uh but they won't be rebels that take that, that that take manure to parliament. They'll be rebels who who get good food to their neighbors and and, and circumvent the system. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, that that's kind of my take on. It. I'm sorry I've gone on so long without you know a, a break here. But that's kind of my take on it. And um, and I'm looking forward to to being there. 
Thank you for joining us on Beyond Labels. Our mission with this podcast is to make it accessible to everyone. But we are behind a paywall because the issues we discuss are often subject to censorship. We run into that and so we have an extremely modest paywall to let us have the freedom to discuss the kind of issues we want to discuss in the way we want to discuss them. And you can become a member and enjoy all this content by clicking on the description box below. We look forward to having you join our family.